Hello, I'm Victoria Austin and you're listening to Shadow Talk, the weekly threat intelligence podcast that covers the latest stories impacting the industry. Today we're kind of in an unusual situation where we're working remote. So uh, joining me on this episode, we have Adam, Jamie. I was going to kind of give you both a virtual wave because normally we're in the uh, podcast room in the London office when we do this. So yeah, it's um, it's good to have you on here. And yeah, given the circumstances, it's nice that we can still do this podcast. So yeah, what's everyone's uh, life hack at the moment for getting through the remote working? Yeah, I guess... Uh... These, the chance to sit and speak with each other in any format is good. Um, it was nice to see the company had our like uh, company-wide happy hour via Zoom last night, which is which is fun. Um, but yeah, just just keeping at it. Got a fridge full of food and everything I need to to work from from home, so it's all good. Nice. I think for me, it's about uh, you know getting outside, walking the dog, uh, going to the park makes a big difference rather than just kind of getting that cabin fever. And then I think when it, you know talking about food, it's can't forget the treats. I think we're all talking about you know the food we need to survive, but you've got to have some fun in there as well. Yeah, totally agree. I'm um, actually this morning I did a nice little walk around the neighbourhood, little nice refresher. So yeah, I guess everything must the show as well must go on. So. Yeah, a kind of a message to our listeners as well. Um, we hope everyone is, is staying safe and our thoughts are with you, families and friends and, and your colleagues as well. So um, yeah, just sharing the love from Shadow Talk team. To get things started, we're going to dive into the story impacting Slack. So uh, that's the instant messaging platform that has around 10 million users worldwide. And those users aren't just personal accounts. I think they're also um, including organizations, so business accounts too. Um, so yeah, I thought Jamie could kind of just dive into what happened um, to Slack this week. Sure. And I think it's certainly going to become more popular in the coming weeks as a platform. So um, it was back in November, actually, uh, this vulnerability was reported via a bug bounty program, uh, and it related to a HTTP request uh, smuggling vulnerability. Um, as a kind of broader sense in terms of what those are, it allows a threat actor to, to effectively interfere with the way that HTTP uh, requests are received, um, and uh, you know, specifically impacts how those requests are sent between a front-end and back-end server. Um, so if the section of one request is kind of interfered with it can be interpreted as a part of the next packet um, and that can lead to all sorts of things you know data leaks allow threat actors to bypass security controls um, so for, uh, for slack in this case uh, allowed the theft of uh, private user session cookies uh, potentially allowed threat actors to kind of access uh, confidential messages etc yeah i think what's quite um interesting and something to emphasize in this case is that the report came from a white hat so this report was first made to Hacker One. And so that is kind of like a bug bounty program. So this user had reported it uh, to the program and in, and in a way, lots of other users in the community got involved. And um, the user actually reported um, to, to the Slack security team, he said, on uh, to the kind of channel, he said, my name is Ivan and I'm a first time bug bounty to your platform. And he kind of went through a list of um, things that, um, as Jamie sort of explained, um, and I think that just really demonstrates the kind of uh, maturity of this program as well, but also the community in a sense kind of getting together and um, kind of exposing or kind of helping uh, Slack kind of fix this and identify that there is a vulnerability here. So I think this is quite a nice story in that sense as well. It's a good, uh, good debut from the, 
white hat, right? Absolutely. I think he got quite a, got quite a nice reward from Slack, so not bad for his uh, first time out on the, on the programme. Yeah, completely. So on the uh, channel, Slack actually replied, and it was a really nice message. Let me just get it. Um, this, so, so, yeah, Slack rewarded the, the user uh, with $6,500, um, and they said, Hello, Ivan. Welcome to Slack Bug Bounty Programme. You certainly know how to make an entrance. So exactly what Adam just kind of touched on. Um, this is kind of a great finding, they went on to say, and the team really appreciates the level of maturity in your detailed write-up. So, yeah, I think it's just a community in this sense, and, it, and it's really great that people are kind of getting together to do this. Um, yeah, I think the other thing here is there's been a lot of debate within the infosec industry over the last few months about the the ethics and the pros and cons of publishing proof of uh, concept exploit code. Um, now, you know, you could argue that either way is something that kind of uh, does divide the infosec community at times. Uh, but I think compared to uh, bug bounty programs, I think, you know, if they're done correctly, what's nice about these is that I think everyone can agree that they can work really well. That could be a really effective way of identifying bones and rewarding those that discover them. Absolutely. I think it's also worth, so even though the vulnerability has been patched uh, since it was um, exposed or kind of highlighted to Slack, um, something to, I guess to consider here is that lots of businesses across the world will be using this technology. Um, I'm just trying to think, what could a business do to uh, pre prevent these sort of attacks if this were in the wrong hands? I guess it, it ties into some of the themes that we've been talking about quite a lot on the podcast when it comes to the these kind of vulnerabilities. So it's just like regular auditing, keeping an ear to the ground for uh, these kind of vulnerabilities and implementing the patches for them as, as, as soon as they come up, right? So like we said, this is quite a nice feel-good story for us this week uh, in troubling times in that the uh, the process... The process that we like to to see applied to these things was was followed um you know was followed in that white hat researcher security researcher identifies something notifies uh, in this case it was slack immediately um and you know the the, the right procedures are put in place to to remediate so i think also if we think about this like as a bigger picture so obviously with the kind of new circumstances that are being applied to workers across the world more people are going to be working remote and slack is one of the technologies of many that are out there to help us facilitate flexible working um, obviously this isn't like a this story isn't like a trend in in what's happening to those technologies but i guess it does get us thinking about the kind of threats that are facing these technologies um, Oh, yeah overall i think it, it, it i guess it just makes it kind of wakes us up a bit about um what organizations need to be doing overall to protect the, uh, to kind of uh prevent these sorts of vulnerabilities which i guess i've already spoken about that's exactly right and i think i think one thing to remember with slack is it's actually quite rare to see it being used as a kind of delivery method for malware or or you know in terms of phishing because I think unlike say email uh, you know slack groups are typically quite closed they're you know within an organization etc so then the question doesn't really it's not it's not really about you know preventing as much of that that phishing techniques it's, it's more about protecting the data and the you know the sensitive communication that takes place on that platform you're right as well these things are going to be all the more important in the next however many months it's going to be in that we've got a lot more 
organizations who the majority of their employees are going to have to be working from home right so it's a rather topical um, for our current situation this story yeah and um, for those who are listening and who are working remote um, we have the photon research team will be doing a dedicated po- podcast to the challenges facing um organizations during this time so there'll be something separate to that so we're not going to kind of go into that on this episode so that's something to watch out for if you are if you want to listen that'll be on resources.digitalshadows.com so yeah the next story is kind of a first for the podcast you know typically we talk about things that are cyber related but in this circumstance we have a story related to the dutch donors and i'll kind of let jamie go into the details here but very unusual for us to kind of touch on this. So yeah, Jamie, I'll let this one over to you. Yeah, so there was a uh, 6.9 million uh, donor records uh, in the Netherlands that were, although, so the hard, hard disk that stored these uh, was stolen. It was quite a kind of an interesting story, really. So the, the affected uh, data was between 1998 to 2010. Um, and since 2011, uh, the ministry kind of over, overseeing all of this was you know, migrating to a kind of digital repository. So they got all these, this data and kind of backed it up on this hard disk. Um, and then it was quite, quite funny, as they were cleaning up, uh, you know, get, getting rid of some of these paper records or having done the migration, um, they realized that the, the, the backup hard disks uh, were missing. So it really shows the physical aspect of information security. We talk about cybersecurity, but if we think about information security more broadly, you know, we can think of the physical aspects, um, the software that I think, you know, 90% or 95% of what we talk about on the podcast is probably to do with that kind of software aspect and then the kind of hardware which is probably seen as a bit kind of the, the dark arts uh, that not many people understand um, but actually the physical side you know really important um, we're not quite sure how, you know what, what happened here if the if the data was stolen if it was just lost if it was kind of inside a threat or maybe a bit of kind of oceans 11 getting access to to, to it i'm not sure but um it really does just just highlight the importance of looking at physical physical security yeah, I think it's funny as well because there's there's such a focus on digital transformation and like protecting your data online. And in this circumstance, as we've touched on, like the data that was lost is a hard drive, and it just makes you think that you kind of need to think about this when you're pre- your data from all angles. Like, where is this data stored? It's not just thinking about where this data is stored online. It's thinking about where it's stored physically in your office. And in this case, it was a vault. So yeah. <laughs> It's interesting one. Like Jamie says as well, the majority of the conversations that we have on the podcast would make the average user think that they are safer in storing their passwords, not in a digital environment or not on their laptop. You know, Uh, we did a talk not long ago on social media awareness for some of our clients. And one of the questions that we got was, you know, is it safer for me to just note down all my passwords in my notebook that I've got here? And it's a funny question, right? Because now a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is that there's various vulnerabilities in software that we're using or threat actors are constantly trying to find new and inventive ways to to dig up our passwords and our data. So you may well think that the safest way is to just keep them in a hard physical copy and you know not anywhere near where these uh, cyber criminals or these threat actors can get to them online and then you have stories like this pop up every once in a while that yeah like jamie says make you think again on both the physical uh, and digital security practices yeah i mean 
There are so many times I've literally stored a password maybe when I was younger, like in my desk. And then years later, I'd be like, I actually can't remember where I put that piece of paper. Like I can imagine something similar. It may have happened here. Obviously we don't know the details fully, but like your memory does tend to forget where you left things. So it's not the same as like a software, you know, it doesn't have that sort of search that you can search. Oh, I want to find this password. You know, um, I unfortunately don't have that kind of capability yet, but um, yeah, this is just a funny one in general, really. I think it's also easy to forget that this is, you know, a decent uh, chunk of the information security industry, right, is looking at the physical aspects. We think a lot about the, you know, threat intelligence vendors and the, the ones that are providing uh, advice. You know, a lot of that is aimed at software. But but actually, you know, we've, we've got, uh, uh, when we talk about pen testing, uh, increasingly getting a physical pen test as well as, uh, you know, uh, di digital one. Uh, you, you could talk about kind of laptop screen protectors, uh, education about shoulder surfing on the tube, all of those sorts of things. You know, are you know are part of our industry. So, if you're if you're worried about that physical aspect, there there are there are, sorry there is a lot of advice. There's a lot of organisations that can help on those issues. I guess there's also the the knock-on effects of the kind of activity that we might see after that. You just say that say the data has been stolen or has made it into the hands of the wrong people. You have to kind of be aware, and I'm sure that some of the users who are impacted by the loss or the theft of this data need to be aware around some of the things we typically talk about or we typically see whether or not that uh, data is going to be used for future social engineering attempts or if it's going to be monetized in some way, shape or form in the future. Moving on, a story that is sort of unrelated to what we've just spoken about, but um, sort of kind of highlights things that are going on in the cyber criminal underworld is a blog that the team have just published around uh, an, a possible exit scam and DDoS campaign. And that's just related to a pollen dark web marketplace. So sort of another nail in the coffin. Uh, this is something that we've been speaking about for quite a long time now. Um, it's just kind of very um, symptomatic of what's happening in this, in this um, environment. But the blog kind of just talks through the sort of um, timeline of this marketplace and then it goes on to kind of highlight what's actually happened so um, the kind of point here is that in January it, Apollon had allegedly conducted an, S, an exit scam and sort of an, uh, the chatter sort of kind of arose within the community there was sort of uh, people pointing to the fact that it had been an exit scam but um, overall I think it's just um, a very it's just highlights patterns that we're seeing in in this space um i think importantly as well there's um the ddos campaign that's not, that's something that's quite unusual to this story so i don't know if jamie wanted to kind of dive in there with that point yeah so it was really strange how this so as this exit uh, exit kind of scam was going on the marketplace was conducting a denial of service attack against other forums and marketplaces which you know seems really bizarre. We we don't really think of those two things happening side by side. Um, and actually, in the blog, the team did a really good uh, you know kind of looking at the different kind of potential reasons why this happened. So the kind of different areas they kind of discussed is that this could potentially be a cover up to stop uh, you know attention being placed on the exit scam. Um, the the other the other kind of question was were, were the were the exit scammers actually trying to use the logins from their site, trying to access uh, other sites to see if they could, you know, obtain more more funds, more access elsewhere, and we're using kind of denial of service attacks to kind of obfuscate that at times. Um, and then there was also a suggestion um, that there was a vulnerability, or there was news about a vulnerability on their own site, 
uh, that was about to spread and that they were maybe um, you know conducting these attacks to stop that information spreading so I think like the best uh, cybersecurity stories lots of kind of different conspiracy theories that we can kind of get into that yeah. Like, okay, usually we'd, they'd exit and be like, okay, and users have to take that on the chin. But with this lot, it's like, no, we're going to exit and we're also going to give the middle finger to the rest of the community in that we're going to go after other forum, forums and marketplaces at the same time. So, yeah, definitely an interesting one. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a dog-eat-dog world. You know, they, um, yeah, it's just a vicious kind of uh, community, I guess. But I think also the kind of, Thing, another thing to point out here is like there's been yeah as adam has said there's been nothing from their side about what this activity relates to so um yeah i mean it just highlights that we we've made a set of assumptions but at the end of the day there is still some uncertainty about what exactly happened here um but yeah it just it just shows the kind of um volatility happening in this space as well um and again it will kind of fuel uncertainty am among the this community so um something that we track all the time here at digital shadows so yeah it's an exit scam with attitude that's what it is nice i like that one so yeah uh, that was a blog published this week by the photon research team and you can read that at digitalshadows.com the title is apollo and dark web marketplaces exit scams and ddos campaigns so uh, yeah a very uh very detailed read if you want to get stuck in and take a break from anything that you're doing at the moment then last to kind of finish things off i normally talk about other people's blogs on this podcast but something that i published this week is a brand protection blog mm -hmm. and this kind of just details it's kind of like a very comprehensive blog around brand protection but more importantly the kind of impacts to brands uh, following exposure or increased exposure um, in particular we feature kind of a scenario plan and it just really the kind of purpose there is to kind of highlight to organizations what they could perhaps do if they're thinking or if their marketing team is thinking of increasing exposure and sort of what are the um, sort of mitigation steps that you can take to uh, plan and uh, think ahead but also protect the brand so it's it's quite a long read as well but um, it's more of a guide than anything and it's just kind of to help people or to kind of um, help people kind of see uh, what other organizations might be doing in the same circumstances so it's yeah it's just a set of best practices I thought I thought it was really interesting and I think one thing that's interesting about the topic more broadly is it's not a traditional cybersecurity issue right so it's not something we've necessarily been speaking about for decades like other topics and i think i think the point you kind of uh, mentioned uh, sorry which I, you know, i'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on um is that kind of organizational structure issue because because it's not traditional kind of security necessarily it kind of intersects you know between information security operations marketing so how do you, how do kind of organizations kind of square that because it's not always kind of clear where that responsibility lies yeah i think it's a really good point so I think security has traditionally been seen as uh, the internal network and the point to make throughout this blog is that security is obviously um, kind of those boundaries are now blurred and as a result teams need to kind of work together to identify what threats would exist or emanate from uh, digital um, increased digital risks for, uh, from brand exposure so one of the things that i actually go into is um it's like a, sub, a subject line is 
is it a job for the so when it comes to brand protection sorry is it a job for the information security team or is it for the marketing team and yeah as Jamie kind of asked me it was like what do kind of stakeholders do in this situation and there's a little figure that kind of walk you through how the team should uh, kind of collaborate and I think that is the key kind of takeaway here is that when it comes to brand exposure you need to work with the different teams and it needs to be constant communication throughout so for example there's a scenario that we give in the in the in the blog and that is around the marketing team who may be doing um, a campaign because in a, a year's time they're going to be launching a new product completely hypothetical situation but in that case um, that that is the job of the marketing team but here the security team kind of need to pick that piece up and say right so if the marketing team are doing this and our brand is exposed ex more exposed what steps can we take to make sure that the brand is not being abused or um or is the subject of kind of ne negative publicity and, and lots of other things in that angle so the blog go goes through different ways in which the team can work together um, and I think importantly it's it's very much from the very beginning these teams need to kind of um, communicate uh, from the start rather than like midway through um, so it's more just a collaborative effort overall um, and I don't think that's I think another thing is that in this world there's because it's so new as well may, lots of teams may not know how to collaborate uh, in the right way and obviously every organization has a different structure um so this is more just a guide rather than like the best practice or the best way to do it but um hopefully it gives people some uh consolation or some kind of ah kind of like some uh yeah some consolation as to okay cool this may be a way that we could do this uh, moving forwards so yeah but yeah, that's my blog. And if anyone wants to read it, you can read it at resources.digitalshadows.com. Um, thank you, everyone, as well, to our listeners on this podcast. You know, um, we appreciate you listening and downloading, especially given the uh, circumstances. But yeah, most importantly, I hope everyone is, yeah, including Adam and Jamie, everyone is getting through the remote working well. You've got all your life hacks, as we touched on. Um, I've got my little cactus which is going to be by my desk you can't see it but I'll put it in the photo but yeah uh, so yeah this is just to say um have a nice weekend or good week everyone and stay safe yeah stay safe guys thanks Victoria thanks Victoria